here it goes. So I think I've met many of you, uh, maybe not everyone. So I'm Tim and uh, my full-time occupation, I'm a chaplain at Mercy Hospital. And uh, as you know, in the hospital setting, it's been very crazy to say the least. And uh, so I appreciate your prayers and we just continue to adjust on a daily basis. Some of the hats that I wear in that setting is I do respond to traumas in the ER setting. So that piece has not changed in any way. So people in the midst of a pandemic are still crashing their motorcycles and having car wrecks and uh, accidents at home. And so I, I try to give support uh, to families that are coming in dealing with that. Of course, there are some restrictions with that, but we still uh, try to make exceptions uh, if it's a life-threatening situation. Uh, then I also lead small groups and interact with all of our behavioral health uh, patients. And so as you can imagine, uh, uh, a lot of those individuals, their baseline of anxiety is already high. So you add another layer with, with all this going on. And so, uh, so I still uh, do quite a bit of work in that setting. And then I work with our clinics that we have as well. And a lot of that is over the phone. And so once again, that hasn't really changed that much. So I, I, I say all that to say I am still driving into work every single day pretty much the way I did. So I am a little jealous of some of you that get to work in your PJs. But anyway, I digress. Um, but great to be back with you and, and appreciate uh, the opportunity to share God's word. So uh, for the next two, you're going to have to put up with me today and next Sunday. So the next two Sundays, we're going to be looking at a passage out of Hebrews chapter 10. And it's always challenging to be invited as a guest to know what to speak on. Uh, so I did a little bit of research and was trying to figure out what uh, Pastor Tim had been talking. Uh, so I watched some of his sermons just to kind of get a feel and a gist of some things. But for whatever reason, the Holy Spirit kept whispering into my ear this passage from Hebrews. And if you know anything about Hebrews, that is not the best place to jump into if you want to do a short, brief sermon because of the complexity that comes with the book of Hebrews. But we're going to do it anyway. Uh, so let's uh, take a look at Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23, 24, and 25. We'll spend two Sundays looking at this passage, and, uh, uh, and then, and then we'll, we'll go from there. We'll have a word of prayer in a minute as well. So I'm reading from the English Standard Version. This is the word of the Lord. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you today, and we, want, we just want to pause and thank you for giving us another day, which is a gift from you. Thank you for this beautiful weather, and thank you for this beautiful congregation. We do ask and pray for Pastor Tim and his family as he's away on vacation, that you would refresh him, 
that you would just help him to be able to take a break from all the chaos and just be able to recalibrate. But we also pray today that we would hear your voice. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I don't know about you, but I'm tired of being tired. This unrelenting stress that we're going through, this overload that we are collectively going through can rob us of our joy. It can rob us of our energy. And it can even rob us of our hope. The good news that even in the midst of a pandemic, we have an unlimited line of grace and mercy that we can draw upon in God's word. And just like an ATM, we have access to God's word 24-7, seven days a week. And our biblical ATM, uh, thankfully, does not dispense clever psychological tips or simplistic motivational bullet points rather God's word delivers to us eternal reliable truth so instead of living life with just a few coins in our pocket we actually have access to unlimited uh, an unlimited wealth of truth and I've learned the hard way and I don't know about you if there's anybody else out it seems like the only way I learn is the hard way uh, I, I'm assuming there is a, an easy way to learn things, but I haven't figured that out yet. Uh, so I always have to learn the hard way, and, and I've learned the hard way that the best way to navigate through being tired of being tired is to lean upon the infallible truth of God's Word. So with this in mind, I, I find our text, it, it's like getting a glass of cold water as we wander through this unpredictable pandemic wilderness and all the racial tension that's there. And I, I know that Pastor Tim has educated you well, so I know some of this you already know. The book of Hebrews was written to a group of Jewish believers who were being tempted to turn away from Christ because of the severe persecution that they were going through. And this anonymous author of Hebrews, he wrote this letter and was challenging them to persevere in their faith. And the author of Hebrews over and over and over again underscored one word, and that one word was better. And so time and time again, those who uh, were the recipients of this letter, the, the, the concept that Jesus Christ is better than what they had in their uh, religious system of Ju Judaism was a very common theme as you, as you look through the letter. And so, in essence, the author of Hebrews was saying there is a new covenant that has arrived and the new covenant is better than the old covenant. And then he actually starts to itemize. He actually says that Jesus is better than the prophets. And you would have to, to understand the historical context of a Jewish person hearing that. Are you telling me that Jesus is better than Elijah? Are you telling me that Jesus is better than Jeremiah? I mean, these were people that they revered and that they honored and that they knew. And the author of Hebrews said, no, you're going to have to trust me on this one. Jesus is better than the prophets. 
he goes on and says, Jesus is better than the angels. And as you study Scripture, you see time and time and time again how often the angels are asked to do something uh, on behalf of the Lord. And so they were familiar with those stories. They were familiar with the narrative and the key important role that angels played many, many times. And the author of Hebrews said, no, Jesus is better than the angels. Then he said something scandalous. He said, Jesus is better than Moses. And I'm like, they would have been like, are you kidding me? Jesus is better than Moses. Moses was their national hero. He was the George Washington, the, the Abraham Lincoln of their day. And then, Jesus, and, and then the author of Hebrews also said that Jesus is better than Aaron. And basically he was like, well, what? That, I, I, I get why they would have been upset that Jesus is better than Moses. Well, what about Aaron? He's, he's sort of, you know, kind of a, a class B actor in Scripture. But Aaron represented the, the, the priestly uh, duties and responses. And so, once again, what they were saying, the author of Hebrews was saying, is Jesus is better than Aaron. And then he goes on and even identifies the priesthood of Melchizedek. And he goes on and talks about Jesus is better than the Levitical priesthood. So he was, there was a theme there that was very important to understand. So as we look at Hebrews 10, it's important that we understand that all those things that I just talked about had been discussed from Hebrews 1 all the way up to Hebrews chapter 10. So let's take a step back and take a look at our text again. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. We're going to be looking at this mostly today. And I, let me just read it also, the text from uh, the New Living Translation, just a slightly different wording. It says, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. The message words it this way, let's keep a firm grip on the promises that keep us going. He always keeps his word. The Amplified Bible says it this way, let us seize and hold tightly to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is reliable, trustworthy, and faithful to his word. I don't know about you, but that's encouraging. That's encouraging to hear that on any day, but especially on the day like today. So as we look at our text, he, he begins... The author of Hebrews begins by saying, let us hold fast. And I know that you probably get tired of this, but I couldn't pass it up. I'm going to share with you a Greek word just because it's fun to say, okay? So the Greek word that's being used here for hold fast, it's one word, it's katecho. And the only reason I like it, it just sounds like somebody sneezing. So I thought I would just introduce this one Greek word, katecho. Katecho. That's the word that's being used here. Hold fast. It's actually a, a nautical term. It's, it's something when you're navigating a ship, the true meaning is to hold one's course. To hold one's course. Now, when I think of navigation and water, and I shouldn't do this because I know I'm going to regret it. 
but I'm going to share with you one of the most embarrassing moments of my life. Okay, are you ready? So I like kayaking, and there's not a really a lot, a lot of good places to kayak in this immediate area. So a lot of times we wind up kayaking on the muddy Merrimack River. And so that's not the, the, the most, and, and it's pretty boring. So for those of you, obviously you're all from this area, so you know where 141 goes over the, uh, the Merrimack River. So there's a little section there because of the bridge that's set there. It's the only place on the river, at least in this immediate area, where there's a little bit of a current. And so if you've been kayaking for hours and nothing exciting is happening, you can't see anything under the water because it's all full of mud. So the, the most exciting part is when you get to that little section where the river starts to turn a little bit and you get a little bump in the kayak. And so uh, we were doing that and uh, had uh, three out of four of my kids with me. And uh, sure enough, my kayak tipped over. And I'm like, how could this happen? This is not even a real whitewater thing. It's, it's, it's really basic. Well, it still happened anyway. And so the kayak uh, gets full of water. It starts rotating like this. And uh, two of my kids were able to get to safety, but one of them was with the kayak. He was about eight or nine years old, so I decided to kind of stay with him because I could see the panic on his face. And so I kind of stayed with the kayak a little bit. I'm kind of keeping an eye on my son. And so all this is, you know, when if you've ever had something like that happens, I mean, this is all happening in real time, real quick, real fast. And sure enough, somebody's driving over 141. They see this happen, and they call 911. So, we get to safety, but it's too late. We have helicopters on the scene. We have boats on the scene, rescue boats. We have firefighters. I don't know why the firefighters showed up. I'm in water. I'm not going to catch on fire. But the firefighters show up. The police showed up. I mean, you would have thought that there was some, some national crisis going on. And, of course, they wanted to know, who's the knucklehead in charge of this little operation? <laughs> and uh, so when I, when I think of the word fast and when I think of the word katecho, I remember and have that flashback of this, uh, this chaos of moment. But one of the benefits of going through a pandemic is it gives us the opportunity to put into practice the things we say we believe. And so that's why this concept of holding fast is so essential and so important. And I found this beautiful quote from Spurgeon. Let me read it for you. He says, and I quote, If the storms lower, believe that there is fair weather yet ahead. And if the night darkens into a sevenfold blackness, believe that there is morning coming despite the darkness, darkening glooms. So nothing has changed about God just because a pandemic showed up. So it's important that we remind ourselves, but even more importantly, and we'll probably talk about more of this next week, remind each other of these kinds of truths to hold fast. So to what are we holding fast? Well, the, the, the verse says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope, the confession of of our hope. 
And we Protestants, we typically kind of shy away from confessing or that word makes us uncomfortable. And, uh, but really, you, if you do a Bible study, you'll find the word confess or confession scattered throughout Scripture. And probably the most famous verse is Romans 10.9 that says, If you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So that's a confession. It's an acknowledgement. It's asserting something. It's conceding. It's professing. It's affirming. So the confession of our hope, what is he talking about here? Now I know once again, Pastor Tim has already educated you about this. Biblical hope is not finger crossing. Now I did do a little finger crossing. I hoped that it did not rain today and that hope came true. But biblical hope is not a wishful thought. Biblical hope is alive. Biblical hope is certain. Biblical hope, this is the key. Biblical hope is not a concept. It is directly linked to the person of Jesus Christ. So most biblical scholars, as they examine this passage, they believe the author of Hebrews was referring specifically to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, in a broad sense, it was a reference to our salvation, but most scholars believe that the author here was actually talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And when we have a proper perspective on the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it always fuels our faith. It's quite intriguing when you take a step back and look at the ministry of Jesus. His ministry, though very brief, was very public. There's always a, there, there's a Bible verse. It's the last Bible verse in the book of John that I, I'm a little surprised does not get more attention than it does. The book of John chapter 21 verse 25 says this now there are also many other things that jesus did were every one of them to be written i suppose the world itself could not contain the books that would be written in other words what we see in the gospels is just a sliver of of the public ministry of what jesus did i mean he was active he was busy he was running, and he accomplished a lot in a short amount of time. So his ministry was very public. But we also know, right, that his crucifixion was very public. And we could talk about that for a long time. And his burial was very public in the sense that you had politicians and religious leaders going out of their way to make sure the tomb was guarded. It's quite fascinating if you look at the narrative in Matthew chapter 27 when Pilate is going out of his way. He says, I heard this dude talk about him rising from the dead. We better guard the tomb. Guard the tomb. And they did guard the tomb and Jesus still rose from the dead. And then, of course, his resurrection was very public. The disciples could have, this whole thing could have went down like this. The disciples could have said, hey, did you hear about Jesus? No, what happened? Well, he was mugged the other day while he was walking through an alley. He was mugged. They killed him. He died. And we were just kind of hanging out with him and watching his body. And three days later, he rose from the dead. And here he is again. 
You know, so that, the whole narrative could have been very, very different that would have made the whole thing very unbelievable. And you're saying, well, wait a minute. Somebody rising from the dead is unbelievable. I get that. But it was all the other pieces were very public, which made it credible when Jesus did rise from the dead. It gave credibility to the hope that we can have in our salvation. So that simple truth, though I understand today is not Easter Sunday, but when our focus is truly captured and when we truly understand the comprehensive nature and what the resurrection of Jesus did, it is in him that we find the meaning of history. It is in him that we find the path of redemption. It's in him we uncover the purpose of life. It's in Him we uh, encounter abundant grace. It's in Him that we experience forgiveness of sins. And it's in Him we acquire strength for the journey. And I know I shouldn't do this because we're in the sun, but I have to read and remind you of this, because I think it just captures the confession of our hope, I think is best captured in Colossians chapter 1, beginning with verse 15. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation, but let me just run through this. This, this will, I was going to say it's going to blow your socks off, but I know it's summertime and some of you are not wearing socks. But whatever you got on your feet, it's coming off. Listen to, to, to this. This is capturing the essence, the confession of our hope. Why is that such a big deal? It's because Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through Him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and all the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through Him and for Him. He existed before anything else, and He holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is His body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So He is first in everything, for God in, his, uh, for God in all His fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself and made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. <laughs> that is so beautiful. That is so... I mean, that's even, that's even good enough to get a Presbyterian excited. I mean, that's how good that passage is. I mean, it's just, it really is fuel. Um, Paul also prayed for believers in Ephesians 1.18. He said, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called. So life in Christ and life with Christ provides an endless stream of hope. But sometimes we forget these truths. Sadly, right now I'm working with about three or four different individuals that are going through a divorce. And it's sad when we forget why we married our spouse. And as someone that does weddings, it's just so uh, frustrating 
to, to be there for that beautiful moment and that beautiful day. And then two years later, three years later, five years later, 20 years later, to see that relationship erode, erode and dissolve. So we can forget. And that can happen with us in our relationship with the Lord. So that's why the author of Hebrews says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Let's talk about the word without wavering. It literally means not leaning. And when I thought about this, uh, the concept that popped into my head is you don't want to be a Pisa Christian. Now you say, what, what did he just say? P-I-S-A. P-I-S-A. In Pisa, Italy, there is a tower. And what is it called? The Leaning Tower. No one ever says the Tower of Pizza. It's always the Leaning Tower of Pizza. Oh, not pizza. I, I, did I say pizza? The Leaning Tower of Pizza. Yeah, I would go visit that. Uh, this, the construction of this building, of this tower, began in 1173 and did not end until 17, or I'm sorry, 1372, which, if you do the math, that's 199 years. It took them 199 years to build a building that was 183 feet tall. And as we know, the foundation was insufficient, and it now tilts four degrees. Now, based on the research that I did, uh, I think that's been stabilized as of 2008. Uh, it only took them a couple hundred years to get to that point to stabilize it. Now, back in 1964, they did think about uh, straightening the building, and then by then it was already a tourist attraction. And they said, "We're not gonna, we're not gonna, we got, we're making money off of this leaning building," and so they they decided to, to keep rolling with it. Uh, but I don't want to be that kind of a Christian. I don't want to be a kind of Christian that's leaning back, that's reaching back, that's bending back to my old ways. It always it reminds me of the Israelites that were leaving Egypt and when they were in the wilderness. There's a fascinating phrase in one of the Bible verses, Numbers 11, 5. He, the, 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 the people of Israel, they said, we remember the fish we used to eat for free in Egypt. Now, does anybody have a wild guess? Why was the fish free? Because they were slaves. It's like, what do you mean? It's like, are you kidding? It's like, they're complaining and wanted to go back to the free food. And it's like, yeah, the only reason you got free food is because you were building the pyramids for free. So they gave you free food because you were a slave. But that's us. That, that, that Bible verse represents us. We have a, the temptation to look back. Well, I hope today we can stop longing for the good old days. We may have left Egypt, but has Egypt left, left us? And so as we conclude this morning, for those of you who know the Lord, I think that's where I want to kind of end this, is, is I want you to think about that. 
Are you wavering? Are you leaning back? Are you reaching back? Does Egypt still have part of your heart? Or have you fully surrendered to the Lord? And of course, there may be someone here that doesn't know the Lord, that doesn't have a relationship with Him. You're, you're still... You love Egypt. <laughs> you're like, Woo! I, lo- I love it. I love my sin. I, I love doing what I'm doing. And I would just invite you to consider what we've talked about today. And of course, the Bible verse, we won't talk about it today, but it says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. So I'm going to give you a homework assignment and then we'll participate. Whoever wants to participate can do this next week. So I want you as a family, or if you're here as an individual or as a family, I want you to come up with two or three promises that you have discovered in God's Word that's giving you fuel, that's giving you hope as we go through this pandemic. And if you, if you don't mind, just write the, the, the name of your family on the top and, or maybe you know, bring a copy, put your name on the top and uh, write some of those down. And then next week when we transition to talk about the promises of God and how He is faithful, we will begin by looking at some of the promises that you yourself uh, have discovered or the promises that you're leaning on today. Uh, and we'll just talk about that next Sunday. So let's uh, bow for a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you today, and as never before, I think we understand that we need you. We needed you before the pandemic, we need you in the pandemic, and we're going to need you when the pandemic is a long memory. So I pray today that you would continue to do the work that you need to do in us. Help us to be light and salt in this world. Thank you for your love. Thank you for confirming everything that you said with your resurrection. We ask and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.